Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Schrock. I want to thank Brother Schrock for the privilege of being here, and Dr. Mitchell, thank you for allowing me to be here. I love working with young people, um, and I just enjoy uh, people your age because you're like sponges. You just want to soak it in and uh, learn. And I'm going to say this at the very beginning. You've, uh, if you were here last year, you heard me say it, and I'm going to say it every year that I come back, but here it is. We need you. We need you in ministry. Um, this is a, a dark world that we're in. It's getting darker. They need to see the light of Jesus Christ, and they need to see it through you. And uh, those of us who are in positions of leadership now uh, will be off the scene down the road if the Lord doesn't come in the next few years, and you all are going to be the ones that are going to lead the churches. And so we need you to keep a life that is pure, a life that is right, a life that is pleasing to God, and we need you to be out there doing the work of the ministry. So thank you for being here. Turn to Psalm 37 in your Bible, if you would, please. Psalm 37. I do Pastor Brentwood Baptist Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. Uh, we're up close to O'Hare Airport. We have a uh, daycare ministry. We have a, uh, a elementary school, lower elementary school. Uh, and during the summer, we run a summer camp. And that summer camp opens at 7 o'clock in the morning, closes at 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, and we need people to work that. We usually hire some extra workers during the summer to come up and to help us with those children. Um, and if you enjoy working with children and you are looking for some summer employment, uh, see me afterward. I would be glad to take your name and phone number and then we can give you a call and talk through some of that. Um, sorry guys, what I need are young ladies because of the age of the children. Uh, but we would love to have anybody uh, who would be interested uh, to come talk to me, and then we'll see from there if the Lord would be involved in that, and involved in you coming up. But we're a multicultural ministry. We've got folks from all over the world. We are not a very big church, but we probably have about 10 to 11 different nationalities represented in our church. And so when you step into the hallway after our church service, it brings the whole meaning of speaking in tongues up to a higher level, you know. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to step out into the hallway and I'm going to say, wait, 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 not without an interpreter, you know. Uh, but we've got folks from all different nationalities. Uh, we just had a Nigerian family begin uh, attending our church. Uh, I just baptized and we voted in uh, some Iranian uh, families, in, uh, an Iranian family into our church. Um, and then we've got Indian, Jamaican, Haitian, and a few others uh, all together probably 10 to 11 different nationalities. It is quite the interesting ministry. I think it's a taste of heaven, to be honest with you. Um, we thought about naming our church, changing it from Brentwood to Rainbow Baptist Church. Then we thought again, thought, okay, maybe not. Uh, so we just left it Brentwood. Okay, so there it is. We're in Psalm 37 this morning, and I love preaching from the Psalms. Uh, I was a music pastor for 19 years before the Lord brought me up to Brentwood. And so in order to do my job in a manner that was pleasing to God, I began to study the Psalms and ask God for wisdom. And I've had the privilege of preaching through over a hundred of the Psalms. That is preaching through them. Now this morning we're going to be in Psalm 37. And we're not going to preach through the entire psalm, but I do want to give you a little background. This psalm is an alphabetic acrostic. It's divided into 22 sections. You may not be able to see that in your Bible, 
but it is an acrostic based on the Hebrew alphabet. And so divided into 22 sections, each section beginning with the next successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's a beautiful piece of poetry. But in the midst of the beauty of the poetry, God has given us instruction from David in regards to this great conflict that we see in the world that's going on around us of those who are trying to live godly versus those who are evil in their thoughts and mind and actions. And early in this psalm, in verses 3, 4, and 5 in particular, David gives us instruction that sets the stage for the rest of the psalm. And what David does as he goes into this psalm is he views the future of those who are evil versus those who live for God. And he sets the stage with verses 3 through 5 to tell us how to live. Verse 6 tells us if we follow verses 3 through 5, what God will do for us. And then you get into the rest of the psalm, and he actually views this in light of eternity. Now, you all are young, and we even have some teenagers here that are preparing themselves for the youth conference that's coming up tonight. You have your whole life ahead of you. You need to get a hold of the principles that this psalm teaches us. So we're going to begin reading in verse number one. And when we get through verse number six, we're going to break and have a word of prayer. It says this, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily shalt thou be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of reading your word, and listening, and preaching. And God, we want to thank you for the truths that are contained in it this morning. God, I ask that as we go through this passage, you will open the hearts and minds of these young people. Father, help them to receive the truth that they have this morning presented to them. Lord, as they go through the day from class to class, Lord, may their hearts truly absorb the truth that is presented to them. As they go through this youth conference and they've got these men of God that will be preaching to them over the next couple days, Lord, may they truly observe, uh, uh, observe and absorb the truths that they're given. And Lord, we pray that these young people will please you and that you will lead them in their way. And God, we ask in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, I don't know if you're used to underlining in your Bible, but if you are, I'm going to suggest that in verses 3 through 5, you underline the action verbs. Look at them. Verse number 3, trust, do. Verse 4, delight. Verse 5, commit. And again, the word trust. These are action verbs that the, uh, excuse me, not the Apostle Paul, uh, David gives us to set us up and teach us how to uh, obey the Lord and receive verse number six. If you do verses three through five, this is your responsibility. God will give you the result. Verse six, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. 
Now, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but back up to verse number three, and let's go through these phrases. The first one is this, trust in the Lord. Do you trust in the word of God? Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, of course I do. I'm in a Bible college. Let me ask you this question. Do you within your heart truly trust that the word of God has wisdom that is greater than your own? Not just say it. But work it out in your actions, because trusting the Lord is the first step in this process. And I want you to notice that this is a building process that leads up to verse number six. Are there areas in your life where you have not trusted the wisdom of God's word? I know Bible college students, I know them personally, who think that they don't have to tithe. That goes contrary to God's word. And if that's the case, then they're not trusting that God is right. So they don't qualify. At this point in your life, young person, you may be willing to go to Africa as a missionary because that's a long way away. And right now, it just seems like it's easy to say that. And God could prick your heart and you can say it. But let me say this. You may not be able to trust God for the right timing for a spouse. Do you truly trust the Lord? Are you willing to wait upon the Lord? Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Now put a hand or a marker or an ink pen or something here because we're coming back. We're going to work our way through this passage. But I want you to go to Romans 1 with me this morning. And we're talking about trusting that the Lord is right. Do you trust his wisdom greater than your own? You're in Romans chapter 1. Now you all know that Romans 1 is this expression of this downward digression of man. And when you get to the very last verse of Romans chapter 1, After listing all these terrible things, including homosexuality, fornication, wickedness, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, all these terrible things, we get down to verse number 32, and it says this, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. We all know that the wages of sin is death, right? Are you all with me? The wages of sin is death. Okay, so you look at these terrible sins. And they, those that commit them have this consciousness that they are facing the judgment of God that leads to their death. They live with that. They may not realize what it is, but they live with guilt. But I want you to notice what the second half of this verse says. It says, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Do you see that? Now, that's an eye-opener verse. Because basically what that verse is telling us is this. You don't have to commit those sins to be guilty. If you take pleasure in people doing those sins, you're as guilty as they are. You say, well, that's not me. Let me ask you a question. When you go home for the summer, what are you going to watch on TV? If you entertain yourself with television programs that promote sin or language that takes God's name in vain or any other thing that would be ungodly that is promoted as it comes into your living room and into your mind. And if you're watching that and entertaining yourself with that, you're taking pleasure in those who are committing sins that are listed in Romans chapter 1. Do you trust that God is right when he said what he said here? We're talking about trusting the Lord. It's easy to come out of our lips, isn't it? But when we trust the Lord, it works its way out in our actions, right? 
So be careful. You know, 1 John chapter 3 tells us that one of the aspects of true brotherly love is not to create a stumbling block for others. Do you believe that? Do you trust that that's right? Do you trust that when God says not to be a stumbling block, that you should not be a stumbling block, whether it be in the dorm to your roommates or whether it be at home to your own siblings or whether it be at work or whatever the case may be? Do you really trust that God is right about that? And do you try with, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit not to be a stumbling block to others? If you trust that God's right, you will truly do that. Go with me to Proverbs 22, please. Go to Proverbs 22. In Proverbs 22, I want to read verses 20 and 21. Proverbs 22, 20 and 21. Solomon writes this. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge? that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Now, let me ask you a question this morning, students. This is formed in the way of a question. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge? Hasn't God given us excellence in wisdom and counsel and knowledge through his word? What's the answer? Yes, yes absolutely. So the answer to that question, yes, God, you have. Verse 21, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. God says, I've given you my words so that you can know truth, so you can make your life, uh, build your life on a foundation of truth. But then he says this, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee, so that when you talk to other people, you can give them the truth of God's word. So if somebody comes to you and they're dealing with an issue in their life, what do you do? Do you trust your own wisdom and give them counsel? Well, I would do this or I would do that or I'd punch him in the nose or whatever the case may be. Or do we say, you know what? God actually addresses that. Now, let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. As a matter of fact, please don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you have a Facebook account? And how many of you have gotten on that Facebook account and said things that you know went contrary to God's word. Because if you did, you violated this passage. And then you can say that you trust the Lord, but when it came right down to it, you didn't. Am I making sense this morning? So when Psalm 37 tells us that we need to trust in the Lord, there's no exceptions. When we trust in the Lord, it works its way out through our actions, right? It could be through what we see with our eye gate. It could be through what we listen to with our ears. It could be what comes out of our tongue. But when we truly trust in the Lord and we read uh, his word and he teaches us a truth or we hear it through a sermon and he teaches us a truth and we say, God, I see it changes the way you live, right? It changes the way you live. That is true trust in the Lord. You trust his wisdom over your own. So back to Psalm 37. Please go back there. The first step. Trust in the Lord. Do you truly trust in him? If you do, the next step is, is a natural follow up. Do good. 
Don't you love the way that God gets right to the point sometimes? Do good. I'm done. Invitation, right? Doing good. If God teaches you a truth, just do it. When God teaches you a truth, at the end of this sermon, if God puts his finger on something in your life and he wants you to surrender, will you do it? That's the idea of doing good. As God leads you and God teaches you, you do it. Our Christian life is a growing process as God teaches us new truth about himself and he teaches us new truth about godly character. And you are at a point in your life where you've got so much to learn. And as God reveals to you things about godly character and things about himself and things about his holiness, will you take those things into your life? Will you work them out in your actions? Will you just do it? If you want verse 6, you're going to have to. Do you implement in your life? Or do we live by feelings? Do we get our thinking from the world? Do we get our styles from the world? Do we get our actions from the world? Now, now it's easy to say that we trust the Lord, but if we truly trust the Lord, our life will show it because we'll do it, right? Do we look for ways to become more godly when you seek God's face in the morning and you open his word and you pray and you read? Are you looking for ways to implement God's character into your life? Are you looking for ways to represent God? And then he says this at the end of verse number three. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, for Israel, when David wrote this, that was physical. For you and I, it's spiritual. If we trust him, if we implement what he teaches us, we're going to be fed, we're going to grow. But it's a day-to-day -day stepping process, right? It's a day-to-day -day process. Listen, I could tell you some pretty sensational stories about what God has done at Brentwood Baptist Church. It has been amazing what God has done uh, through Brentwood Baptist Church. And in the lives of people from Brentwood Baptist Church, we have a man in our church who is a Filipino. He went to work in Saudi Arabia, uh, got saved in an underground church, got baptized in the Persian Gulf, ended up in Des Plaines, ended up in our church. How did that happen? He was talking the other day to somebody that was from Iran. They're, they they're have a Persian background. And they said, you got baptized in the Persian Gulf? I'm Persian and I didn't get baptized until I came here. That didn't sound right to him. And they were just kind of teasing about it. But I can tell you some fantastic stories what, that what God has done in the lives of people at Brentwood Baptist Church. And we just see a, uh, saw a couple people get saved within the last couple weeks that uh, we have been working with for a while. And you just see God working. But I'm telling you what, through all of those sensational events that we see, none of them would have happened if there hadn't been a day-to-day consistent walk with the Lord in the lives of the people who are affected. You don't see those big sensational events unless you are walking day by day with the Lord. Dwell in the land and you'll be fed. Do what, or you will dwell in the land and be fed if you do what the Lord teaches you. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. There's another word, delight. This takes it a step further. Not only do you trust not only do you implement, but you delight. 
You know, Nehemiah told his people, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me ask you this morning, student, is your walk with your Lord your strength for your day? Is it? Life can get weary. Life can get weary. Classes can get hard. Things can, can, can become difficult. But it makes all the difference in the, in the way you approach all of your duties, all of the challenges of life. It makes all the difference in the world whether you truly delight in the Lord or you just do it out of routine. If you delight in the Lord, your desires will begin to line up with his desires. And thus he can give you the desires of your heart because your desires become more God-centered and less self-centered. And that's why he says this in verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When you delight in the Lord, you want to be as much like him as you can in your character. And so you become more God-centered and less self-centered. And God says, now I can give you the desires of your heart because your desires line up with mine. And if you do not delight in the Lord, it's because you don't know him well enough because there is much to be delighted about. We need to delight in the Lord. And when you get to this point, when you get to this point, priorities begin to fall into the right place. Now, that doesn't make life easier because there's always challenges, but it makes life more joyful because you delight in the Lord. And that's what we need. And let me say this, if you desire to make a difference in the lives of others around you and you guys are here studying for ministry and I, I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're getting preparation for ministry. But if, that, uh, if you want to make a, an eternal impact in the lives of people under you in your ministry, you need to delight in the Lord. Because when they see that in you, they're going to want it. It's the only way to make eternal impact. Now look at verse number five. Here's the next step. Okay, you ready? Commit thy way unto the Lord Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Now, there's an interesting phrase here. He shall bring it to pass. What's the it? What is he going to bring to pass? Your way. You commit your way unto him, and he will bring your way to pass. Now, you may say, okay, you're making a big deal out of that. What does all that mean? When you give your, commit your way to the Lord, he becomes responsible for your way. Now, let's discuss that word way. The word way is the path that you take in life. This is not the idea of, okay, uh, I'm going to walk from here to the cafeteria in a few minutes, and I'm going to have lunch. Okay, I hope you do. I plan to. But this is more the idea of a life's journey. That's the idea here. Commit your entire life to him and he will lead you down the road that he has planned for you. Whether that be career, whether that be where you serve him, whether that be your marriage partner, whomever that may be, uh, where is going to be your home church, uh, even to the point of rearing your own children. What country, if you're studying to be a missionary, where he's going to send you all the twists and the turns of life, he will oversee. If you would have asked me. 20 years ago, if I would end up pastoring a church near O'Hare Airport in Chicago, I would have said, no way. 
As a matter of fact, when that church called and asked me to turn in a resume uh, and I hung up the phone, my wife said to me, who was that? And I said, that was a church up in Chicago, but don't worry, we ain't going there. <laughs> a year later, guess where I ended up? In Chicago, Illinois. Listen, God knew that ahead of time. God knew it ahead of time. Commit your entire life to him and God will be responsible for all the twists and the turns. But you, do you see the progress? You have to trust first. You have to trust that God's right. When you read his word and when he teaches your principles, whether it be through your own reading or through the preaching of God's word or you're in the classroom or whatever the case may be, you have to trust that God is right. Can you get to that point? Then you have to do it. You have to implement it. God, how does this work out practically in my life? Because some of the truths that we get in, they have practical application. All the truths we get in have practical applications, and we have to work through that. I get it. Delight in him in the process, knowing that God delights in you. And then commit thy way unto the Lord. Lord, here it is. I'm going to let you direct all of my paths. Lord, as you lead, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tell you this morning, don't underestimate the significance of this principle. You have your whole life ahead of you. You want God to lead you every step. You want that, young person. And look at verse number 23. Look at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. There's that word again. Do you realize that God delights? God delights in directing your path. Can you see that? God is in heaven. And he says, what's your name, sir? Brandon. Brandon. Brendan. Brennan. Okay, thank you. All right. Brennan. I should have picked an easier name. All right. Um, is there a mic? Just a, one syllable? Just kidding. Okay. Brennan. Can you imagine God being in heaven? Saying, hey, look, did you see that? I gave Brennan this truth during the service last night, and he took it. Can you see that? Now I can take him the next step. You see God delighting in that? But you know what? He'll do that for every one of you. Every single one of you. Now, I, I, I want to illustrate something. Uh, Colton, would you come up here? I picked on you last time I was here. When you graduate, I've got to move on to the, somebody else to pick on. But I need you to come here and stand right here. And I need uh, somebody to be a counterpart to Colton. You don't have to like him. You just have to be up here with him. Okay, come on up here. Okay. Now, you two men stand side by side. Okay. Here we go. Colton, no, face this way. Okay, face me right there. Okay. So both of these men are going to represent Colton. Okay, this is, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be the Colton who follows God's leadership. Okay, this is going to represent the Colton who follows God's leadership some of the time. All right, so Colton gets saved. Take a small step forward, man. Yeah, we have a small platform here, so, all right. Now, God says to Colton, you know what, Colton, I want you to spend time with me every day in, in, in my word. And so Colton, who is obedient, says, okay, God, I'll do that. Take a step forward, Colton. Okay. The other Colton says, God, I don't have time for that. You, you don't understand. I'm busy. I've got a lot of things going on. I'll read it when I can. 
Okay? So, we have one Colton that has stepped forward and one that is not. Now, let's say God speaks to him through a chapel service or something like that and says, you know what, I want you to start visiting people through the church, okay, to be a part of visitation. Both of them say yes, so they both step forward, okay? And let's say God speaks to them again and says, you know what, I, there's an area of your life here. Uh, maybe it has to do with media. Maybe it has to do with, um, you know, friends or whatever. But I want you to give this up. And let's say this Colton says, God, I, if you lay it on my heart, I'm going to do it. And he steps forward. The other one says, well, now, God, wait just a minute. I can't do that. You don't understand. If I gave up those friends, I wouldn't have any. Okay. Now, let's say that God speaks to them again, and God says, I want you to go to Bible college. And this time, they both step forward. They say, okay, yeah, we can do that. And let's say that this process goes on like this back and forth for an entire year. And God says, as I lead you, you take this step. By the time we get to the end of the year, this Colton, step forward, please, could be here, and that Colton could be there. Now... At the end of the year, both Coltons can look back and say, I've grown, right? And sometimes we say, look, I've grown. And we are satisfied with little growth when God really wants us here. Do you understand? Thank you, man. You can, you can sit down. Now, you can use any illustration you want. It could be commitment. It could be dress. It could be language. It could be media. It could be friends. It could be relationships, whatever the case may be. But as God puts his finger on things in your life, God wants you to grow because God delights in your way. Remember? And God wants you here, and you may have grown some, but because you weren't obedient all the time, you were here. Now, you multiply that out times year after year after year, and 10 years down the road, what's the difference going to be? And which one's going to be more impactful for God? Do you see what God wants to do in your life? And do you see how we sometimes hold him back by our lack of obedience? Now, you commit your way unto him, trust in him, and he shall bring that to pass. And then you have verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me, please. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Now, here's the result. If verses 3 through 5 are part of our lives, verse 6 is God's responsibility. Now, this verse describes the result of the previous things. Now, where it says here, he shall bring thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. This is not talking about you glowing in the dark, okay? That's not what this is talking about. It's not a visible display of your righteousness, but rather it's a matter of making more or making things more clear to you as you take each step. Now, look at the second phrase where it says thy judgment as the noonday. The noonday is the brightest part of the day, right? Are you all with me? Noon is the brightest part of the day. Shadows are the shortest. 
As a matter of fact, there's a word in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 1, that talks about uh, it's the word sincere. You need to be sincere until the, to the day of Christ, okay? And the, and the very idea of that word sincere is, means judged by daylight. And so it's the idea of taking uh, a piece of fabric, ladies, if you were to live during that period of time, and you spread it out uh, in the sun so you can see if... The, the, the color of the dye is even. Or men, if you were to buy a piece of pottery, you would hold it up to the sun to see if the light shines through, to see if there's any fine cracks that you can't see from the outside. Judge by daylight, that's the idea. And so what, what God is telling us here is that your judgment, that is your discernment, your ability to make decisions becomes the absolute clearest that it can be if you follow him step by step along the way. God makes things clear and he gives you the ability to make discerning decisions. And the the more that you are following him and being obedient each step of the way, the clearer the next step becomes. Isn't that exciting? God delights in doing that for us. God delights in it. And he says, our righteousness will come forth as the light. When you think of that word, think of it as this way, just the result of making good decisions. It's doing right. Your rightness, the ability to do what is right, is like the light you begin to see. Look at verses 30 and 31 of this psalm, please. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. You know, along the way, we will stumble. This is the psalm that tells us the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. There will be times where you will stumble. God doesn't give up on us, but don't stay down. Get up, make things right, and go on, and God will give you discernment that is as the noonday. The more you practice these principles, the more clear your judgment will become. The less you practice them, the more fleshly your judgment becomes. And as a result of that, your righteousness will likewise become either brighter and more like Christ or more like the world. Now, the world needs to see us representing Christ, right? It takes time. It takes years because we're talking about your life journey. But it happens one step at a time, one moment of trust at a time, one moment of surrender at a time. Each step helps our judgment for the next step as God leads us. Isn't that, uh, isn't that just a beautiful thing that God does for us? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word. We ask now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will take it and use it in the lives of these students. Father, we pray that each one of these students will truly commit their way to you, will trust in every little thing that you give them. And God, then we pray that you will do what you said you would do and guide their steps, that you would bring their way to pass. And that you would give them, Lord, the judgment as the noonday. God, we need them. But Lord, we need them to be right and pure. 
And we commit it to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.